globally, there are about 27,000 universities in the world. Um, you know, most people have only heard of a small fraction of them, but the majority of people are, are going to, you know, one of the, the bottom 26,000 universities. And uh, the overall student population is about 207 million students, but that's going to be maybe 350 or 380 million students by 2030. So the, the kind of marginal growth is like 25,000 students per day uh, joining the university population. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to a special episode on 20 Minute Leaders. We're talking about higher education. I mean, this whole show is about sort of education, but this is about higher education. And how do we take you know, the world we live in today, we take the needs of students around the world, the emerging needs, and how do we have them intersect into a way that anybody who wants to acquire higher education has access to it with accreditation. Meet Dr. Joshua Brogy, the founder and CEO of Wolf, a platform that makes it possible for companies and academic groups to launch branded degree programs with the same accreditation as major universities in weeks, not years. He was previously a member of the Faculty of Philosophy at Oxford and a member of the governing congregation of the university. He also held a Humboldt Fellowship during which he worked the role of modern universities in support human progress. Joshua Brogi, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you today? I'm doing well. Michael, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you very much for coming here. You're doing such awesome work with Wolf University, coming from higher education yourself, being in the faculty, philosophy within Oxford and a variety of different interesting positions. And now rethinking a little bit about higher education and taking it to the entrepreneurial world, calling in from uh, Mountain View, the heart of uh, you know, tech. So tell me a little bit about, Josh, your own background and your, your passion for higher education. What does that even mean to you? How'd you get into this place? Yeah. Uh, so I'm from America, uh, the New England area originally, been living in the UK and Germany for most of the last 10 or 15 years. Um, I was an academic before uh, getting into tech. And so I was on faculty at Oxford and, you know, I, I started Wolf with colleagues from Oxford in 2018. The goal was to to make world class higher education uh, more accessible and available, and to ensure the credits were transferable. Um, you know, my my impression working at Oxford was that we could start a new Oxford college, you know, every couple of months and fill it with high quality faculty and students, um, but that would have taken a very long time. <laughs> so we ended up, um, you know, deciding to start a new collegiate university, which is kind of like the University of California system or the University of London system, it's composed of colleges which are themselves kind of independently governed, but fall within the accreditation system. So if you go to a University of California college like Berkeley, you get a degree from the University of California. And if you go to a, a college at Wolf, it's independently managed, uh, but it falls within the same quality assurance system and you get a degree from Wolf uh, and has the college named on it. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the issues is, is scale, right? So so what is, what, how, what is the issue of scale within higher education systems and, and how you're actually going about tackling that? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, globally, there are about 27,000 universities in the world. Um, you know, most people have only heard of a small fraction of them, but the majority of people are, are going to, you know, one of the, the bottom 26,000 universities. And uh, the overall student population is about 207 million students, but that's going to be maybe 350 or 380 million students by 2030. So the, the kind of marginal growth is like 25,000 students per day uh, joining the university population. It's like, wow. we need to create roughly three average-sized universities every day for the next decade uh, just to, wow. to service. Um, yeah, it's 18-year-olds in, in economies where, where the middle class is really developing and they really have the first chance to go to university. So it's a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about Wolf University, sort of the intersection of tech, higher education, how you're building this out as a sort of as a startup or as a company, how, how does this even work? It, it's even weird saying yeah. startup and, and, and higher education in the same sentence. Yeah, it, it's a great point. So, you know, we're the first hired, you know, we're the first global collegiate university to allow qualified education organizations to join as member colleges and issue accredited degrees. So it'd be like if the University of London went to a boot camp. Uh, or the University of California went to a small college in South America and said, hey, you can join the UC system. You can join the University of London system as long as you meet our criteria. And so um, we are growing by about one new college every month, and we use software to track all the educational activities in that college. And so the, the tech part of us as a company is we have a learning platform and an accreditation management platform that tracks everything uh, related to quality assurance and compliance for regulators. And the kind of end result is we have three levels as an organization. There are all these colleges where we have colleges joining us from all over the world. And then we have software that's tracking their activities. And then we have a legal and regulatory layer, which is a set of licenses where we're actually able to issue degrees that are recognized by governments. So some college in Nigeria does something in our software, which matches a a license that we have, and then proof it's an accredited college offering an accredited degree, and it falls within our system. Um, so it's the first kind of organization that's like that and allows us to move really fast without cutting any corners or, or lowering standards. So essentially, it sounds like you're, you're, you're allowing already institutions in place that are already having great faculty, great students, except that they, they, and they may meet the criteria, they may need to budge a little bit to meet the criteria, but you're offering through software the ability to do sort of this regulation piece at a higher paced rate. If previously somebody needed to go travel there back and forth meetings, spend lots of time, lots of paperwork. Now you're saying we, we've taken a lot of this knowledge and pipeline work, we've put it into a software solution so that we can you leveraging your data and your ongoing behavior, we can potentially give you accreditation types mechanisms within a few weeks. Yeah, that's right. So like the amount of work that goes into accreditation is kind of roughly comparable to getting a banking license. And so Mm -hmm. the idea that every education organization in the world needs to get their own unique license in order to uh, operate is just a huge lift. It really slows down the process. And it's a very paper-based process. And so mm-hmm. it's the reason why, you know, most education organizations launch new degree programs every three to five or eight years. And we're living in a world where the speed just needs to be a lot higher. Um, you know, software products are, you know, launching new new versions every couple of weeks. And so if 
we live in a world where we roughly need three new universities every day. Um, it's, it's millions of dollars, three to seven years in any country to kind of get a university license. Then if you want to launch a new program, it's a big process. And so being able to compress those timelines, uh, it's exciting because it, it means that you can give students, um, you know, something that's more relevant and, uh, you can iterate more quickly through cycles of, um, education and, and degree programs without lowering standards. So like ultimately, you know, you, the reason you have accreditation is you want to be able to guarantee sure. that they're getting a high quality program. Is there any pushback from regulators on this? Cause essentially you're taking something that quite sensitive, right? I mean, there's a lot of pride yeah. there since it, and you're essentially saying we're, we're automating pieces of it. And historically, anytime you're trying to automate some uh, human behavior, some paperwork, eh, yeah. it gets a pushback. That's right. So, you know, accreditation uh, is probably not going to go away anytime soon uh, through pure automation. It's, it's embedded in the visa systems and the tax laws and the, the migration patterns and the right to operate in, in countries all over the world. Um, but there is a huge amount of paperwork that goes into it. And so there are parts of it that software can automate. Um, and then there are parts of it where we have a human in the loop. So uh, you might gather a lot of data in real time and then set up literally a committee within a university um, that has the approval rights uh, about what to do with that data. So it's like, uh, did this program meet all of the quantifiable standards and metrics? Yes or no. And you can use software pretty well for that. And then did it meet certain qualitative factors and then you send it to the committee and they have to vote on it in software. Now that process would take years normally to gather all the information on spreadsheets and email and so on. We can do it in real time. So ultimately the thing that regulators get excited about when they look at our work is they can actually get a more granular picture of what's happening in our organization than they can in a normal university. And it's kind of 24 seven, right? So it's not like an audit every five years. You could log in at any time and see exactly what's happening down to the level of like what you know, um, assignments are being given to students and what PDFs are they reading and are they academic peer-reviewed literature published in the last five years and all these kind of very small benchmarks that typically are discovered through an audit process in retrospect uh, are happening with us in real time. Mm -hmm. Take me back to sort of the beginning of this. Um, you know, were you always interested in scaling higher education and accessibility was or or is this something that you sort of stumbled upon and became excited about yeah it, it's a great question um i i think being able to to give students access to just a fantastic educational experience is something that i'm naturally passionate about is one of the reasons i i got into higher education and became a you know professor a teacher um i i think you also begin to see the challenges firsthand. So if you're lecturing in a classroom, it's really common in the United States or the UK that the students are going into debt. And, um, you know, higher education is expensive, even in countries where students don't pay very much money for it, it the taxpayers are, are paying for it. So it's like Germany, uh, where I was also a lecturer, um, you know, it's uh, 300 euros a year to go to university, but the taxpayer <laughs> is supplementing that with, you know, 15 to 30,000 euros per student. Um, so it's, it's a costly, uh, endeavor. I, I think the challenge is when you have students at one end of the classroom going into debt and the teacher at the other end of the classroom, not earning very much. And then you wonder where all the money is disappearing. So if there's a hundred thousand euros worth of students in the room and the teacher's getting paid three or 4,000 euros, where's the other 96% going? Um, and you know, it's disappearing into a bureaucratic machinery where 
majority of uh, staff at the university are admin and compliance. Um, you know, they're they're not lecturers; they're 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 administrators, um, and so that's um, a system that students are ultimately paying for, and the taxpayers are paying for. And so I think we can be more efficient in, in how we do that, and ultimately students will get a better education for it. Mm-hmm. And for you to get to those realizations, sort of walk me through a little bit about the ideation process that you've had. You've went through figuring out, okay, there is actually, you know, an obvious pain point, but, but there's actually a tangible solution that we can provide. Yeah. So, you know, at one point I was really interested in starting a new college at Oxford and started doing the legwork on that um, when I was on faculty and I was on the governing parliament of the university, uh, the, the congregation. And so started, you know, laying down the groundwork for starting a new Oxford college and realized, okay, this is going to take five or eight years. And at the end of it, we're going to have one college. And like, really, we need like one college every month. Um, you know, not just like one college over the course of my career. Uh, we really need to be able to expand what we're doing in a new way, given the, the student numbers in the world. Um, so I thought it would be possible to have a much bigger impact um, by using software to automate some of those processes and kind of taking the cap off of growth uh, without uh, sacrificing quality. But, you know, interesting. Um, there are a, a lot of students in the world who are for the first time um, learning things at the university level, it's, it's a very different world that we live in today than it was, say, 50 years ago in terms of student numbers coming in from uh, developing countries that now have huge middle classes uh, that are moving into technology and, and white-collar jobs for the first time. Circling back a little bit to sort of, uh, you know, the software here and the technology that, that empowers this, I'd, I'd love to get a little bit of a better sense as to sort of the technological side of, you know, how you're, how you're pushing the boundaries of how we think through accreditation system or regulation through software. So you mentioned a little bit through some of the tracking, some of the KPIs that, that I yep. guess the regulators have, have seen. What, what is sort of the technology behind what you're doing here? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, there, there are two ways that organizations become accredited. First, there's something that happens at the organizational level, and then there's something that happens at the program level. And so both of those have to be tracked with technology. Uh, And generally, we are interested in building an auditable record, uh, which is kind of app-end only, of exactly what's happening inside an organization as it moves through a series of processes against some set of KPIs. And so at the organizational level, they have to set up certain committees and they have to form certain boards and only people with the right access controls can be members of those committees. So they have to have their education background verified and only people with PhDs can be on certain committees or only people with master's degrees can be on other committees. And so all of the people in those profiles have to get aligned with the different uh, kind of role-based access control groups. Um, At the program level, there are a lot more granular pieces that have to be tracked related to regulation. We don't get to decide um, many of the regulatory points, those get um, decided by government partners of ours. And so the government partner might say it's 25 hours of student labor for every credit. And then we have to find a way to justify what 25 hours looks like in a degree program in terms of study and, and workload for students. And so then the, the job is to say, hey, uh, as a course creator, I'm going to you know designate this assignment as like a five hour long assignment or a 25 hour long assignment or whatever. Interesting. So are we transitioning if we're looking at the, you know, a little bit down the line future of higher education? Is it, you know, 
how, how do you think through about this standardization of higher education, especially as, you know, con- ideas are changing. I'm, I'm personally invested in a few startups that are looking at, at skills-based learning, you know, in response yeah. to higher education. You obviously, you're playing in both of those worlds. How, how are you seeing higher education in the future from, I guess, a standardization point of view, a relevancy point of view for, for you know, the, the extra 25,000 students a day type of problem? Yeah. So there are a few different moving parts. One is um, the old way of measuring things was, was pretty simplistic, like how many hours are you sitting in a chair? Um, and, and that's clearly not a, not a great measure of whether or not somebody has learned something and whether or not they're capable of doing something. Um, and so ultimately, you've got to be able to show that somebody's got a competency in, in some domain. Um, but you also need to be able to communicate across cultural boundaries. And so if somebody calls their kind of weekend programming course uh, masters in AI, um, you're probably not at the same level of like mastery as if you do a sort of American or European master's degree, which is 2,250 hours exactly, right? Um, and so if like, you go to Stanford, you get a master's degree, it's 2,250 hours. That gets expressed as 45 credits. You go to Europe and you do a master's degree, it's 2,250 hours. It's expressed as 90 credits. Um, and so you need some like translation between systems to be able to know the difference between 45 American credits and 90 European credits. But at the same time, like, just sitting in a chair for 2,000 hours is not going to make you really good at, at managing artificial intelligence. So getting the balance there, I think it's really important. Um, you know, increasingly, uh, skills matter a lot. But what we typically see is with organizations that come to us, if they've asked a student to study for a year or two years in, in their boot camp, like, it gets really hard to express that to an employer if you don't have a master's degree. And if you're explaining, you're kind of losing it. And so it's like, no, I promise this program was, was really more substantive than, than other programs. Whereas there's just like no explanation to do if you can just say, oh, I have a European master's degree that I received from this. And then people understand what it is. And, you know, the employer um, has a shorthand way of understanding exactly what happened. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And so the vision here with, with Wolf University, you know, where do you see this, you know, long-term? Obviously, short-term, you yeah. know, you're growing, you're scaling. Where is, what is sort of the goal or the win of Wolf University? Yeah. So I, I think we're building the largest collegiate university in the world. And, you know, right now it's, it's a relatively simple thing where people plug into our software and they're able to prove to our regulatory partners that they meet all of the quality assurance standards set up by those government officials. And so you effectively plug in and very rapidly um, are able to demonstrate that you meet and maintain compliance for accreditation. And so plug in, get accredited. Um, but we're, we're layering in more of the back office services that you would find in a large university when it comes to research resources and, and things like that. And so as we scale the number of colleges across our system, um, students get access to more scholarships and more financing options. They get access to interesting benefits that come from other colleges. And we really want to get to a place where you can kind of go to any city in the world and there are multiple Wolf Colleges mm. that are there. And that's a really exciting prospect. They, we were recently in, in Mexico City and I think there were two Wolf Colleges and <laughs> a third Wolf College getting started. Um, and you know, then there are opportunities for meetups and, and new kind of social dynamics uh, from the community that emerge from that. Interesting. And so do you, do you see yourself staying in the realm of sort of providing that extra layer of accreditation or that the, 
the standardization for for these colleges or do you see yourself also getting involved with the actual education system and 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 different engagements with students or networks marketplaces etc yeah so um i'd like to think that that accreditation would just kind of go away and that what you'd really end up with is proof around skills or something like that i, I don't think that will happen I, I think it's way too deeply embedded in, in the way governments work um but I, I think we have the the proof around student skills and, and that's a huge unlock for employment partners. And so for us to be able to then partner with employers and being able to say, hey, look, this is a really good student that can match your needs. I think that's quite exciting. Um, I, I think we won't teach at Wolf. So our colleges teach. And, you know, it's like uh, the University of California uh, doesn't teach anything. Uh, Berkeley teaches something and UCLA teaches something. And so like the colleges uh, provide the teaching or University of London you know, doesn't have faculty. KCL sure. London has faculty. Um, and in virtue of being in KCL, you're, you're faculty of the whole university. Um, so like we won't teach, we won't have students, we won't have faculty, uh, but we can provide white label course content, uh, you know, really high quality kind of libraries of books and, and videos and, and things like that to our colleges. And so we can kind of improve their resources. Um, but I, I don't think that we'll end up teaching. I don't think we'll be able to totally overcome uh, government restrictions, but we can reduce the friction. So we've built like the only uh, credit exchange system between borders uh, that I that I know of, at least. And so you can easily stack credits across our system uh, natively. That that's very very cool. I, I love the way that you're that you know you're coming from the system. You're identifying the pain point. You're understanding technology and the and coming in with fresh eyes and understanding that you can sort of create this, uh, re- reduce that friction, you know, be in between borders and, uh, and, and it's, uh, you know, from somebody from the outside, it sounds like such a complicated world that's so regulated and so heavy yet, yet you're coming and you're actually doing it. You're building, uh, you know, the world's largest, uh, I guess, standardized accreditation system called allowing colleges to participate in it. And, and at the end, creating a very positive impact on students. Um, and that's obviously the, the, the end goal here. So, uh, Joshua, thank you so much for coming here and sharing with me. Uh, 20 minutes is not nearly enough to for for me to to understand everything that you're doing but but it, it is enough for me to to want to dive into it myself and to to get inspired by it so thank you and uh, best of luck with wolf university and stay safe and stay healthy many thanks michael it's a real pleasure thanks for having me on really appreciate it thank you bye josh